0: Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. I am your host today, DM Neil, aka Jote maniac and today I am very excited because we're going to be talking to Amanda Hammond from the D&D team, and we're going to take a deep dive into the college's from the brand new book, Strixhaven. Maybe you'll figure out which one you want, which one you will want to add to your world, and so much more. But that's it. That's all I've got. So let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but
1: maggoty bread for three stinking days.
0: Yeah. Why can't we have some meat? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. <laughs> Today on The Meet, we have a very special guest. I'm very excited because we have Amanda Hammond, Senior Designer for Dungeons & Dragons, and one of the co-creators of the Starfinder RPG by Paizo. Amanda, thank you for coming on to talk with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Neil. I'm excited to be here.
0: Of course. As you... as any listener would know from the intro, we're going to be talking about Strixhaven. But since it's your first time on, we always want to jump into our quick interview section. Um, And probably my favorite question, because it is so open ended is, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. So uh, I'm a senior designer at Wizards. I worked on Starfinder by Paizo. Oh, wait, no, you want extra things,
0: right? (laughs) Covered. Got it. Moving on. No, Yes. (laughs)
1: So um, I've been a tabletop RPG professional um, designer, editor, developer for about a decade. um, If you include my freelance work, Um, I started out largely writing for Paizo, but for other um, publishers that also um, supported the first edition of the Pathfinder RPG. so, So back then. And uh, I ended up being hired in 2015 uh, when I was working at Purdue University in internal and external communications after uh, having had a previous career in daily journalism at newspapers. Um, so I changed gears a little bit, um, but like I said, I had been freelancing for for a couple of years, and um, I jumped full-time into TTRPG development at that point in 2015. I started out as a developer on the first edition of uh, Pathfinder. Um, working on, uh, as it turned out to be, all of the things, uh, almost every single uh, product type that was published by the company at that time. And um, when the company ended up looking to create Starfinder, uh, I was on the core design team um, and was one of, for there were about five of us, I think, on that team. And then uh, afterwards, uh, ended up becoming the managing developer of the Starfinder product line. So. I was in charge of all the stuff um, that we that we published and did a good amount of design work and just kind of generally shepherded all that stuff. And that led me down the path to working for Cobalt Press as the editorial director, um, which some folks might know Um, Yeah, because I had known Wolfgang for quite a while at that point in time. And uh, then, you know, the job at Wizards opened up and um, I was having a ton of fun at Kobold, but decided, you know, can't hurt to apply. I actually um, kind of got talked into applying by some friends because I wasn't sure I wanted to leave yeah. <laughs> Kobold, uh, but it happened. And here
0: I am. That's awesome. And also that question ended up being interestingly self-serving because this entire time I've been thinking like, I recognize this name. I recognize your name. And Mm -hmm. it's the realization that it's because my home table was Pathfinder 1E for a very long time. And I'm just like, okay, okay. My pieces are coming together. Fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say like, you know, having my name attached to Starfinder is probably a little bit more well-known publicly, Mm -hmm. but I did start out as a first edition Pathfinder writer, designer, developer um, for quite a while before that was even a thing, before Starfinder even existed.
0: (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay. We've got those pieces together. Um, So the next question we have is, is there anything that you're currently working on? And certainly with someone directly from the D&D team, I will add the caveat that you can talk about.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, yes, I am working on a big project with lots and lots of wonderful folks involved. I can't tell you what it is; (laughs) it's not been announced. I can't even really say what the nature of it is, Uh, but yes, we we've got some exciting stuff coming out of the studio, Um, and you know, right now, you know, Strixhaven, uh, my um, strange little magical uh, college campus child, is about to be out in the world. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited about that.
0: Yep, we are we are just around the corner, and it's. It's so interesting that so many books have come out at the same time because I feel mm-hmm. like the wave of Wild Beyond the witch light is still rolling but then also thinking about the idea that Strixhaven is right around the corner.
1: Yeah, and there's a book in in the middle of that as well. Mm-hmm. The the meat of that yeah. um, beautiful D&D sandwich is Fizzband's yeah. Treasury of Dragons. <laughs>
0: yeah, just just throw that in there, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it's like Bam, Fae Carnival, bam, Dragons, bam, Magical College. We just, we keep the hits coming. <laughs> yep.
0: Okay, so that moves us to the surprise question. And the surprise question will be tailored because I, I didn't grab one from, often we'll get one from our Patreon, but I didn't do that. So I'll ask you an interesting question that came to my mind is, okay. was there a college experience that stands out to you that helped you write Strixhaven?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, actually, I, I have a top of mind because I was just uh, filling, filling out some answers to some media questions about this. So, you know, I have a journalism degree, um, as I mentioned, and I, I was a journalist. I actually worked full time as a journalist for my final two years of university. Um, And uh, at the at the Ann Arbor News because I went to Eastern Michigan University so that that newspaper was right there. Um, But getting that job uh, before that, I was the editor in chief and a writer and reporter for my student newspaper, the Eastern Echo. And um, I did that, did that for a couple of years. And uh, it was actually a job because it was an independent newspaper. And so, you know, we paid our folks and we weren't beholden to the university's board of regents or, you know, any sort of prior restraints. So it was kind of like, you know, a, a learn by, you know, the, the skin of your teeth, uh, pull yourself up by the bootstraps uh, type of journalism academy. And it was, but it was a college experience. Yeah. Um and it was a very formative col- college experience. And um, I, I put a bit of, of some things into the book that definitely come from that. And I'm happy to talk more about it, but I don't want to keep rambling. Yeah.
0: No, that's, that is a, a wonderful answer. And that certainly leads us straight into talking about the topic so we'll talk about why I guess I came up with it just because I mean most of our listeners may know my entire professional career has been in higher education mm-hmm. like, literally I was a student worker I moved directly out of that into working professionally at an institution and that's where I'm that's where I'm sitting recording this today on my lunch break is at another college so I've always been
1: nice in that realm.
0: <laughs> so I've So the idea I came up with was to talk about the colleges, showcase what Strixhaven is, what Strixhaven can be for your game. I thought about doing a Strixhaven brush. So just kind of breaking down quickly the colleges. And, of course, at the end, you and I will have to decide which college we plan to join. Oh, that's exciting. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. So perfect. So I just – I found a few lists online. Um, I don't know if this is – oh. It's alphabetical. I see why I found the list in the way that I did. So um, we're just going to approach it to be fair to the colleges because we don't want anyone to feel like we have a biased opinion. Um, we'll just that's approach right. them in alphabetical order because that puts Lorehold College of Archaeomancy. Archaeomancy. That's okay. correct. Yeah. And so that puts that first and foremost. Um, so I have a little bit of info that I can pull thanks to D&D Beyond. So the motto seems to be leave no stone unturned. The mascot is Spirit statues, and the founder is we will try Velomacus Lorhold
1: very good that is all correct and excellent yes <laughs>
0: so yeah w- what can you tell me? I mean I don't necessarily mean for you to truly pitch me and try and try and rush me in, but um, what can you tell myself and the listeners about
1: Lorehold? oh sure, so. Uh, Lore Hold, um, a little bit of context. Lore Hold is actually quite important in the uh, the four chapters of adventure that we have in this book. Um, this book is two-thirds adventure, so there's uh, a big he- bunch of hefty material that's all about you know, having adventures and going through a meta plot um, or individual plots, if you wish, uh, all throughout all of the campuses and uh, Strixhaven's culture at large and a little, little bit of stuff off campus at the end, but largely everything is on campus. Uh, Lorehold is very important in one of the adventures, the junior year adventure, um, in that uh, it, it certainly does take place significantly on Lorehold, um, but the one of the deans of Lorehold College, uh, Dean Augusta Tullus, who is a character that listeners may or may not be familiar with because she is mentioned in the magic set for Strixhaven. Um, But she is a prominent NPC. She is a professor of a class that the students are all taking. And there's something hinky going on with her. And it's not exactly clear what it is, um, but it seems pretty suspicious. And that's part of what the PCs end up being pushed to, to uncover. And um, through that adventure, you get all the really cool bits of Lorehold. And um, this is where I rush you into the campus, by the mm-hmm. way, Neil. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, Lorehold is definitely all about um, archaeology and uncovering the past and learning uh, from you know the wisdom of the forefathers to influence um, the present day. And you know, a thing that I've always found really fascinating about Lorehold—that's back from you know the magic um, world building is that uh, Lorehold has past callers and past raisers. And these are spellcasters who are specifically summoning the spirits of historical figures um, or just anybody from history that they've got a familiarity with. And those spirits are able to talk to them with their consciousnesses for a certain period of time. So you have classes on Lorehold's campus for the more advanced students where the professors have summoned the spirit of a famous archeologist or you know, a famous historian or even a famous historical figure. Um, and they're talking about uh, what happened in their time. And, and it's, you know, it's literally uh, a, a primary source come to life, but it might be hundreds of years old. So, you know, I think that's really fun and fascinating. And if you want to be in those classes, uh, you become a little old student.
0: That's so good. And some of the like kind of, and this is it's almost like smaller episodes ins- inside the episode. Cause often what we'll do is kind of talk about how you could add these things to, to your homebrew campaign. Or if you're truly going through like what kind of adventures you could make. And the two things that pop into my head are, um, from the D and D comics that Jim Zub writes, one of the, it, it almost feels like lore hold is how Minx comes back because it's wild magic that hits a statue, which is really key for Lorehold. And now mm-hmm. he's running around. The other, I think, is also um, all of the hijinks that happen on Star Trek holodecks when like Moriarty <laughs> is just running an absolute muck. Uh, yeah. And that kind of thing of like, mm-hmm. you, you bring this spirit into this, into this world to engage with, but like what's to say that they don't have other ideas other than teaching a class.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that does. And there there's a piece, you know, without giving too many spoilers, there's a yep. piece in the adventure where uh, a statue, a very, you know, there's a traditional kind of summoning of the spirit in this really iconic statue on campus. And exactly what you just said, a thing happens and everybody's like, did it just say that? Did it just do that? <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's it's part of the set dressing, but it's important from a plot perspective as well.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. Once you tap into those spirits, there's so much you could do. And especially, again, like the idea of what lore have you set up in your own games, in your own worlds, Mm -hmm. your past past players, your past BBEGs, and everything like that. So I think lore holds.
1: Yeah, it makes the setting feel real, right? A setting that has got history and a setting that, um, you know, uh, has... Um, individuals that are part of a much larger tapestry and there's a timeline like that, that's really, I think, powerful in storytelling potential.
0: Yes. Okay. But that that moves us on. We have Prismari College of the Elemental Arts with the motto, Express Yourself with the Elements. The mascot is Elementals and the founder is Galazeth Prismari.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Prismari is all about elemental magic. Um, From some perspectives, it's one of the easiest colleges to translate to traditional D&D magic because D&D magic is full of elemental damage types, for example. Um, Fire, cold, electricity, all that's easy to understand You know, if you've been playing D&D as a caster for any period of time. Prismari is all about um, the... The hot and the cold, the the elemental qualities uh, of individuals, sort of like the emotional uh, depth of of somebody who's channeling that type of elemental magic. Um, they would feel at home at Prismari. And um, Prismari is also a very artistic college. Um, there's a, a place on campus. Um, in which, uh, you know, Prismari, uh, basically like statues that the students have, have created, almost almost like an art class, but they've used elemental magic to shape these statues out of various, um, you know, uh, materials and things that they found in the natural world. And there's a, a whole part of Prismari's campus where those statues have kind of been not necessarily discarded, but kind of just placed off to the side because there's strange magical energies that continue to run mm. through them and they're unpredictable. Um, and that's that's a site of a lot of student duels. That's where students go to kind of escape prying eyes. Um, so it's an interesting... It's a very interesting concept in the D and D game.
0: <laughs> I also think of you know a, a classic thing that I remember from high school. I don't think people do it really any as much anymore because there are things that have definitely become elite more illegal over time. But the idea more yeah, illegal <laughs> uh, the idea of stealing another place's mascot and just how much more painful and interesting that becomes when the mascot is an elemental.
1: Yeah, yeah. That it's funny that you mentioned that concept. It's not necessarily. Um, specific to Prismari, but um mascots are totally a thing where there are little magical creatures that run around each campus, and they um the creature type is very tied to what type of campus it is and what sort of magic is is practiced there, and that the students have a lot to to do with them. They're kind of like the squirrels uh, on the campuses of a lot of colleges, especially in the Midwest, yes. where they're super tame and the students feed them. and like i I knew somebody who had a squirrel that he let into his office. <laughs> The student newspaper and would feed, you know, little bits of, uh, of granola bar too. (laughs) So yeah, that's a thing, but yeah, mascots, mascots are a thing. And there, there is a, um, a dare that involves not stealing a mascot, but stealing something that functions like a traditional mascot out of a faculty building. And that is a a whole part of one of the adventures. So that trope is very represented.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. Good. I am pleased. Okay. (laughs) Yep. What? We will we'll move forward in, in our rush. So Quandrix, College of Numer... No, I got it. Numer- no, I don't have it. Numeromancy? <laughs>
1: Numeromancy?
0: Ooh, numero I like yeah. that. Okay. So College we'll of Numeromancy. Yes. Math is magic.
1: Yes. Mascot
0: is fractals. And the founder is Tanazir Quandrix. Um, and I will get this right out of the way because that definitely makes these people math magicians. And I don't know how... We can, I, I couldn't help, but say that. So it's
1: uh, <laughs> true. Yeah. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah. So what can you tell me about Quandrix?
1: Yeah. So Quandrix is all about, uh, you know, it is the, it's the expression of mathematics. It's very much about, uh, you know, order and natural, uh, world being made up of, uh, you know, like the Fibonacci sequence, yep. for example. Um, and you know, very predictable, immutable, formulas of math that, you know, have never changed since the beginning of the universe. But an interesting thing about Quandrix is also sort of the interpretation of those formulas and that expression. And, um, you know, uh, as somebody who like once thought they were not good at math um, and mostly it was because I was taking classes like geometry and algebra and trigonometry and then um, was told, no, I actually am good at math. And I was skeptical. And then I got into um, calculus and realized I'm, I am actually quite good at math, um, but it's abstract math that I'm good at. And that is the kind of math in Quandrix that really interests me because it is that more creative flair of using those, um, you know, using different formulas to express things in different ways and mashing that stuff up together and seeing what the magical result of that is, uh, you know, from a, from a student standpoint, that's what quant, Quantrix is about. And I think it's a, it's a very high concept, very cool, um, college to be a part of.
0: Yeah. And there's, like you said, when you, when you start pouring out al- alphabet, what I like to call when you start pouring alphabet soup into your math, I mean, things fundamentally change how math mm-hmm. is approached cause, mm-hmm. because certainly two plus two is four most of the time. Um, and it's that yeah. it's that realm of most of the time that starts to get into some really, really interesting ways and equations because that's why you have those, those advanced courses where most instructors would ask of you to show your work because part of it is like the concept of how are you mathing? Not necessarily that you got all the way to that very correct answer. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting because like you said, it, most people at first glance would not think to refer to math as interpretations, but rather just equations.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot, especially, you know, me in those early days, it's like, oh, math is boring. I don't mm-hmm. like math. It's all about finding the right answer. And there's only one way to get to it. And it turned out math is much larger than that. And there, there are abstract elements and you can get to the answer sometimes in infinite number of ways and, you know, ways that are, are not even predictable sometimes. So that's the interesting part for me.
0: Most of I like it conceptually. I don't know that I want to do a lot of uh, really high-end math uh, at, at my table, but.
1: <laughs> I certainly do not. <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> Which moves us on to Silverquill, College yeah. of Eloquence. Sharp style, sharper wit is the motto. The mascot is Inklings, and the founder is Shadricks Silverquill. Absolutely, yes.
1: I adore Silverquill. Yeah. They are probably my favorite college. Um, Silver Quill is, um, you know, again, it's got that dichotomy the way all of the campuses do because they originate from campuses in the magic game that are two opposing colors, right? So that's what a lot of that is coming down to where you're seeing, you know, kind of a push and pull of, uh, of, uh, you know, oppositional forces. That's where that's coming from. Silver Quill is exactly the same way in that it is... Uh, it is all about, you know, the eloquence of the spoken word, um, you know, the expressiveness of the written word, uh, you know, the beauty of uh, ancient poetry and uh, dead languages and translations and, you know, expressing things in a, in a beautiful way that makes people think about them differently through various art forms based around language. Uh, It's also uh, got a darker side to it as well. Uh, Individuals drawn to it have um, maybe got a darker side to them as well. And that's uh, how language can be used in negative ways. Language can be used You know, to certainly craft insults that can be used uh, to create magic spells. You know, word spells are going to harm people with just the power of the way that they're spoken. Um, We see that words in the real world in the real world have intense power, right? We look at social media. We see the types of statements being made and how people are influenced by a certain individual who's very good. You know, many individuals who are very good at crafting their messages. So. You know that's that's what Silver Quill's has got going for it. They're the Shakespearean writers, right? They're the the actors, uh, you know, who are like the Richard Burtons of the world, but they're they're also, you know, that darker side, the the dictators who, you know, can bring people, you know, under their influence if they wish. There's a lot of power in Silver Quill. It's fascinating.
0: Yes, and I do want to spend a little bit more time definitely talking about the wonderful play on words that are the Inklings. Um, yep. <laughs> the mascot, uh, which I, I see here, is uh, an am- amorphous creature made from magical ink.
1: Yeah, and ink magic in the is definitely a thing on Silverpools campus. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have a direct D anD D correlation, so we don't have you know specific ink magic you know that's stated out. But it's certainly from a flavor perspective there um, and magic ink, like the literal ink having magic to it so that the words that are being formed are achieving a certain goal. Like that's a really powerful concept. And that's something that we love to play with in the book.
0: I love it. Okay. So last on our list is Witherbloom College of Essence Studies. And the motto is get your hands dirty. The mascot is pests and the founder is Belladross Winterbloom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Witherbloom is also super fun. Um, It's probably my second favorite school because it really deals with the uh, just the wonder of the natural world, um, you know, uh, greenery and rampant growth and, uh, you know, the the power of uh, just nature and unchecked, uh, you know, flora and fauna. And it's also on the flip side, about decay and rot, and uh, you know the phoenix rising from the ashes, and, and the things that you you know can really bring to effect when you're dealing with, uh, you know, powerful druid spells that are you know uh, growing um, all kinds of natural natural things to, to help your party, uh, or when you're siphoning off life force and you're um, you know using necromancy. I should say as a caveat, evil magic is banned on Strixhaven's campus. There's no evil player-facing magic within the book um but there is that uh undercurrent um of you know like life draining and necromancy that does exist and that is appealing to some people and um the villain of the large uh the long adventure arc uh definitely falls and succumbs to that urge i won't give spoilers but the the key to understanding that lies within witherbloom
0: yeah, and I think that kind of the, what you mentioned there is certainly the interesting piece or something that makes all of the colleges interesting is that – I, mean, I don't know why that popped in my head. But as Spider-Man is often referred <laughs> to, with great power uh, comes great responsibility. But mm-hmm. the idea that like once you're wielding that much elemental power, you you can make bad choices immediately when you're doing the same thing with your words uh, with the silver quill, there's so much there um, to play off of is that the, the college is there to learn. And then what the person does with those tools, as is true of the real world is up to them and, and their yeah. own moral code and how they see fit to use those things. Um, so often after that deeper tangent, we got We got to roll back real quick because now you and I have to decide which college will we attend.
1: I have been picking Silver Quill because I okay. really cannot escape that siren call of the power of the written word in uh, the spoken word and all of the art forms, uh, you know, that can be used to express language. So I have to pick Silver Quill myself.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, then I'll go with your second choice because Witherbloom just really stood <laughs> out after I started reading a little bit more because the mascot is a pest, which is a, a tiny sized worm. Yeah. And apparently it's like a spike caterpillar. He's yeah, right. unpleasant creatures. Yep. <laughs> that apparently you also just carry one around. And when you need some life essence, you just squish the one you got. And
1: <laughs> that's not condoned on Strixhaven's Haven's campus. Okay. Okay, but never
0: mind, never mind. Yeah, uh, you could none do of that. that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but yes. yeah, so so definitely uh Witherbloom. Oh, there's so Do you wanna be
1: a bog witch, Neil? Yeah. Embrace your inner bog witch. <laughs>
0: it says, it says the college is located in a bayou. It its is. Buildings seem to rise up out of the earth itself and is segmented off by pods.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It makes me
0: think of my time in world of Warcraft. Why can't I remember the zone? Mainly because I haven't played in that zone in years, but I can see the marsh. Um, and like the the almost rope bridges mm-hmm. connecting back and forth, and the smaller pods uh, going from one place to the other. Yeah, there's, these almost like abnormally large mushrooms and other fauna and flora that just seem like they should be there, but also there's something wrong because they yeah,
1: it's like something fends. Grown. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah,
0: so that that's what came to mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm trying to think of things that I want to double back to because I feel like. There are pieces we didn't quite touch on. So the, the mascot for quandrix is fractals. Yes. could you tell me more?
1: Oh gosh. So the, so the fractal mascots, um, I'm just going to use a little sheet sheet here. Um all of them are present on you know each campus in uh yeah, like I would say number right a pretty good number they're kind of all over the place so fractals they can take any shape um but they're all going to be kind of mathematic geographic um or geometric rather looking creatures and the one that we have in the book actually kind of looks like a little snake like a little wormy snake um going around yeah and and it's it's small it's small size so you know it's um i don't know maybe the the size of like a smaller dog or something so it's not going to be like something you stick in your pocket uh, but they look like they're made out of hard light and um, their components are actually those mathematical equations and expressions that we were talking about earlier. Um, so, you know, if you, when you, if, and when people look at their stat blocks, they'll see that, um, you know, math is something that is aiding them in their abilities. Uh, they can like augment spells using these mathematical formulas. They can diminish spells, your opponent spells, presumably using mathematical formulas um, it's very thematic along those lines, and you can kind of make them look as the dm however you want, so you could you know really express uh, the way like a player has has you know glommed on, to, say they're super into the Pythagorean theorem or something. They could have a fractal that is like a triangle, basically mm-hmm. <laughs> wandering around.
0: Well, yeah, I thought my first thought was also like um, playing on um, Modrons if that was a route that the the players enjoyed.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, they're constructs, you know, so they could totally look like mathematical looking Modrons and be kind of neat or like, you know, a physical manifestation of a bunch of Greek letters and it's a formula.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Yeah, there's so much pop culture material definitely to pull from. Yeah. The other thing that... the, I thought it was the sacred geometry and just the way yeah. that so many different people could approach different aspects of any one of these colleges. Is,
1: oh, yeah. That's that, a really yeah. good point. Sacred geometry is, is super cool and um, it's esoteric and it feels very Strixhaven because yeah. Strixhaven is like on the edge of the occult in a lot of cases, especially with Warhold and you know, so the past calling and some of that Stuff. So, yeah, I I love that idea. Um, (laughs) I was thinking of a a much less um, uh, like high minded version. Did you ever see that old TV show, Numbers?
0: Yes. I loved that one.
1: I did too. That was right around the time where I was realizing I was actually good at math and I was like taking my first calculus classes. And I was like so into like the stuff that Mm -hmm. he was doing because I understood a lot of the terminology (laughs) for the first time. And so like, you know how the show they do CG where there's formulas that are like coming out of his head and he's like Mm -hmm. looking at stuff in the air and he's drawing like that's that's a quandary student. Like he's a quandary student, I think. (laughs) David Krumholtz, Quandrix.
0: Yeah, yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so good. So that, that kind of leads into, which I think is, there are times where this becomes a more aptly named section of the episode, but- we can definitely kind of go into our homework section, um, which is just basically examples of things that people can read, watch or engage with to demonstrate kind of the topic at hand. I would say go be on a college campus, but I don't know that that's just feasible. I mean, it's certainly where I tap in to probably way, way too much knowledge. Cause like I said, I've only ever worked at college campuses and I can think of all the, Dumb stuff I did when I was (laughs) in
1: one. Um, As we all did.
0: (laughs) I had a a good notoriety. Like I wouldn't even say it was infamous, but like I pulled pranks in a way that I was very mindful because one of my things was I I didn't really want to be in trouble. So Mm -hmm. I always made a concerted effort to not damage anything.
1: Yeah, so harmless fun, but you were still a troll, is what I'm oh, hearing. <laughs> very much
0: so. Oh, it was very. Yeah, it was very, very much so. <laughs> but, but thankfully, our sophomore year, we we burned bright because our sophomore year, we were blamed for what they thought was the senior prank, and we all just kind of decided, I guess that was it.
1: Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Like, oh no, this is no longer fun because it's causing a problem we're, or someone's upset well, or whatever.
0: Yeah. Where do we go from? Well, no, again, they weren't upset because we didn't damage anything. We had gone into the largest auditorium in the campus the night before finals and turned around half the chairs. So there was no way that anybody could really sit next to anyone because one chair would be facing one oh, way the I see. other chair. Okay. Would be facing so the other way.
1: Minor annoyances like a cantrip basically.
0: <laughs> yes, very inconvenient. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, no no chairs were damaged. I we did all the research we needed to be able to turn them um, correctly.
1: I was an absolute chaos beast myself, especially in high, not so much in college. Cause I kind of had like mm-hmm. a, a serious real person's job for a while. Um, and you have to be careful about your public persona in that case, mm-hmm. but in high school and before yeah, I was absolutely a chaos beast. I was the person who saw like in one of the, the big, like girls bathroom saw that there was a breaker box and was like what does this do oh look at all these switches what happens if i pull these Uh, yeah then all the power to that whole floor goes out (laughs) now i know yep got saturday school for a month for that one yeah
0: That makes sense. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get in trouble for that. The one I mentioned, cause we never got found out. <laughs> um, yeah. So reversing back. So rather than just attending a college, I mean, if you can certainly do, but what are some pieces of, um, like I said, media that we could point people to that would kind of give them, give them some of that feel of what we're talking
1: about. Yeah. Um. So, you know, this is going to sound a little bit weird, Um. but I think, a lot of the sort of 90s, early 2000s, uh, like teenage rom-coms are pretty applicable to, especially the tone of the adventure. So like 10 Things I Hate About You, for example, super relevant, uh, which is also based on a Shakespeare play, um, which also like I am a huge Shakespeare nerd and fan. Um, and I've seen, you know, most of the plays, sometimes more than once, a lot of times on stage. <laughs> so so I think that's really that's really relevant. Um Stuff like, you know, she's all that, which is a little bit of an ugly duckling type of story. Um, but even going a, li- a little bit like later down the timeline, um, the Pitch Perfect series is also uh, quite oh. relevant to the tone. Oh,
0: no. There's this is right up my alley. I love those.
1: O'Neal. O'Neal. Oh. I have a wonderful thing for you then. There's okay. a Pitch Perfect style sing-off with your rivals that you are going to face in a Mage Tower match which is a game on campus at the end of the school year and they confront you and challenge okay. you to a sing-off <laughs> yeah,
0: good. My, my table's gonna be like uh why did you bring all these red solo cups i'm like oh you'll see oh you'll that's see. the thing
1: too there's tavern yeah. games as well <laughs> oh, yes <That's>
0: the, yep <laughs> i just think of that scene on this when she's on the stage with with the cup and, all, and i'm like the first person that can do recreate that scene you win
1: yep <laughs> yeah there's a lot a lot of that stuff i really feel like um in In some ways, a lot of the things that like I always thought were fun and funny and interesting, but never really found a place in writing in my writing before made their way into this book because of you know just the the nature of the coming of age stories right like they are very iconic and in some ways they have very basic building blocks, and you know I'm a fan of them because I feel like. You know, they, they tell a story and they allow people to kind of like learn about themselves through seeing these stories playing out, you know, in school and college and time when they're, you know, uh you know, very uh, not necessarily vulnerable, but malleable as a, as a human. Right. And so that experience is what I wanted to put into D D for this book. And that's why all these things are in here.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so good. The other one that keeps coming to my mind is old school with Will old Farrell. school.
1: Yeah. I had seen that. There's a little bit of that. There's less of the sort of like partying kind of like, yeah. at least like not really the boozing culture, just because that's not really a thing in D and D. But there's definitely like parties and gatherings and like, fun you know games and shenanigans and dares and stealing of mascots and things like that. There's a lot of that.
0: Okay. Drumline. I'm thinking of drumline. Yeah. I mean, just because, because you get a really good sense of like rivalry as well as like character, you know, the characters engaging with each other.
1: Yeah. There's a um there's a show band, Strict Saving Show Band. There's a there's a whole list of extracurriculars you can join and one of them is a marching band.
0: <laughs> yeah. I see and need-
1: <laughs> Yeah. Like I said, all this stuff that I was never able to put into anything before, it's all in here because <laughs> nobody told me no.
0: <laughs> yes. Until you have the right spot to, to place it. I just don't, I mean, you until now. And now, yep. <laughs> perfect. So yeah, with Strixhaven right around the corner, where can people go to follow you, see all the, the things you're doing online, um, catch things you've already made and keep an eye out for things you're going to be
1: Oh my gosh, I really should be more serious on the internet Um, because (laughs) the answer to that question is my Twitter feed, which is at Amanda Hammond, Um, but fair wording, I'm absolutely not serious, and it's all a bunch of dumb jokes and some D&D stuff, but complete nonsense, so if that's your bag, there you go.
0: (laughs) Well, then then we are certainly birds of a feather because... (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why anyone follows me. I'm just like, I'm not giving you what you want, I don't think, but I'm going to post whatever I want.
1: Yep. Yep. That's how I, it's like, you know what, if I'm not at least entertaining myself like 80 to 90% of the time, there's no point in doing this. (laughs) So that's why I say.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on, going through the strict saving rush, um, and sharing some of this info with all of our listeners.
1: Yeah, no problem. I hope that was helpful. And I hope people are uh, interested and as excited for this as we have been.
0: I know I am. Awesome. We just want to thank Amanda again for coming on, spending some time, doing a college rush with us, making some choices, and of course, showcasing the brand new book, Strixhaven. If you liked what you heard, or you have some ideas about which college you would join, you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to our social media. um, Find us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. Follow us on Facebook. Let us know there. Follow us. Keep track. And of course, if you liked what you heard and you want to leave us a review, head over to Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice, and do so, and we'll read it out on air. And As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like We're So Bad at Adventuring, Dungeons, Dragons, and Daughters, Detentions and Dragons, and more. As always, thanks for listening to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night. Good luck and keep on dungeon mastering. Goodbye.